Good morning. Uh, welcome to the beginning of our first annual Calling Beyond Covenant Week. Uh, this summer, I was at a wedding in um, South Carolina in Greenville and bumped into Mary Catherine Keenert. And as we caught up, she was telling me about her transition out of college. Uh, and I thought how amazing it would be for current students to hear what she was saying, um, how valuable our graduates' experience uh, could be in encouraging those of you who will soon follow in their footsteps and in their paths. So the seeds of this week were planted uh, in that conversation. And as Dr. Plating and I talked about it, the idea turned into uh, this week. Um, so really, it's, it's, uh, I'm very excited. And it's my privilege to introduce the first um, day of this, this week-long event um, and to kick it off with two uh, speakers, two 2015 graduates, I think is the perfect way to kick off this week. So uh, it is my privilege to introduce Mary Catherine Keenert. She is a 2015 graduate. She was a biblical and theological studies major. She lived on Chi Alpha in Mac. After graduation, she worked as a nanny for a year, and she now works at the Frazee Center, uh, an after-school program in Greenville, South Carolina, where she works with and gets to love on under-resourced third uh, to fifth grade girls. Mary Catherine was the very first Covenant College student that I met after uh, coming here uh, when I first accepted my job, and her warmth and excitement were the perfect welcome to Covenant College. She is honest and kind, she is passionate, and she loves Jesus, and she loves others. Please welcome Mary Catherine Keener. Hello, Covenant College. It's good to be back, um, especially since I had the distinct privilege of encountering Buck Buck happening last night. That was real fun to stumble onto magic, pure magic. Um, I know that Ryan and I are very, very thankful for this opportunity to be with you here today. I just have enormous love and respect for Covenant College. And chapel truly was always one of my favorite parts of my time here. Um, today, I will be sharing a few bits and pieces of my life story with you all. I feel that there's no better place to begin this journey than with the Word of God. In 2 Corinthians 12, the Apostle Paul pleads with the Lord to take away the thorn in his flesh. We don't know exactly what that thorn was, but we know that the Lord answered him by saying in verse 9, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Paul then simply replies, Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. This, I believe, is the theme of my story as well. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Throughout my life, there has been an undercurrent that many do not see or know of, but that current is strong and swift and dangerous, 
and its name in short is worry. I actually come from a long line of women warriors. These are strong, beautiful women to be sure, but still queens of worry. I, however, in my lifelong struggle with anxiety and depression have dethroned them all. These mental battles have been a part of my story before I came to Covenant. They were a part of my story while I was at Covenant, and they have been a part of my story since graduating from Covenant. I believe that this battle will probably always be written on the pages of my life, but God has had an even greater, more victorious claim to authorship, an authorship dipped in the blood-red ink of grace. Growing up, I was always more of a creative thinker. I'm one of six kids, and I believed firmly as the seemingly forgotten middle child that it was my duty to wholeheartedly challenge whatever status quo was set before me. If you had asked my parents what my great gifts and talents were, going along with the grandeur produced by the rest of the Keenert siblings, they would have replied with sweet sympathy in their eyes that their Mary Catherine, the sassy redhead, was their passionate child. They would not have been wrong. During high school especially, my wandering passions usually dictated what my mind and heart latched onto. But shortly before coming to covenant, I realized that my true longing was for God to show himself to me in order to make sense of a broken world. So, before entering covenant as a college freshman, I had made my decision to devote my slow-coming intellectual efforts to the scholarship of God and his word. This was one of the best decisions I have ever made as my pursuit for answers became ingrained not in my ever-changing emotions, but in the trajectory of God's grace woven throughout redemptive history. If I had not been at covenant, if I had not spent countless hours pouring over tough questions of orthodoxy and suffering and theodicy and the true meaning of life, I don't know where I would be today. Ironically, though, it was even while at Covenant, in the midst of these studies, that I was struggling most with that thorn in my flesh, that thorn that I wore like a branding, that thorn of anxiety and depression that rarely seemed to yield any fruit of Christ's strength in me, at least that I could see. During my sophomore year at Covenant, I almost sank. School was heavy, but other outside sorrows entered my life in droves. For the entire semester, I felt as if I was hiking Everest with a load on my back I could not bear. Before the end of the semester, I asked to have a meeting with three of my theology professors I was taking classes from at the time in order to seek their guidance. I met with them, wept in their presence, and spoke honestly as I had not done before in admitting my weakness. They, in turn, comforted me without belittling me, counseled me with humility, and offered me an early leave so that I could go home to rest. They let me be weak. That morning, Dr. Ward, Dr. McDougall, and Dr. Capick taught me something that I had never really understood before. 
They taught me that it takes a certain kind of strength to be weak and to accept grace. And the origin of that strength is not found in myself. It's found in the knowledge of Jesus and in the laying down of his own life so that I, like Paul, could accept my own weaknesses. It was only in that light that I found the courage to lay down my pride. My pride that said I had to be an A student. My pride that kept me from trusting anyone with my deep-rooted anxiety and fears. My pride that held back on love of others because I could not love myself. The lesson I learned that day as I left the room with my professors and began to pack my bags to go home continued to stay with me through more trying times at Covenant and even into my life after graduation. Or did it? After graduating from Covenant, praise the Lord, I moved to Greenville, South Carolina. I longed for rest and a change of pace upon the heels of finishing my senior thesis at Covenant. And Greenville's beauty and close distance to my family's home in Western North Carolina beckoned me. My first year in Greenville was not, however, characterized by rest or retreat, as I thought it might be, but by many, many hardships. I experienced a lot of different kinds of attacks from the evil one in many different forms. I was in and out of different jobs, housing, churches, communities. Nothing seemed sustainable, and so many transitions were happening over and over again. I was also sick a lot and could not figure out what was going on until a fiasco in Charlotte where I was supposed to be at a long dreamt of Mumford and Sons concert with my best friend Bethany and ended up in the Charlotte Memorial Hospital emergency room instead. The pain in my stomach that I had created nausea for many weeks prior to the concert had surfaced to an abnormal level, causing me to lose consciousness for much of our drive away from the auditorium, making this hospital visit inevitable. After many hours and a series of tests, the doctors told me that I had developed stress ulcers in my stomach and could I identify the cause? I couldn't right then, there were too many. But as I began to process the news later, I realized that understanding my stress was not just about acknowledging all of the hardships in my life, it was also about what I refused to acknowledge about God himself. You see, I had never felt more invisible since graduating from Covenant and moving to a new city and beginning a new life. I had forgotten the lesson I had learned in that meeting with my professors during my sophomore year of college. I had forgotten about God's grace. I had begun my post-grad journey by trying to identify myself by anything I felt would give me worth. And I never found it. I never measured up. Just like if you are trying to identify yourself right now, through your grades or your friends at Covenant, you will get out and begin seeking to identify yourself through the status of your job or your travels as represented on Instagram, 
or even a college or graduate degree. But the world you see will always have smarter and prettier and less anxious and cooler people than you. And that ladder of worldly satisfaction is a never-ending climb. This is exactly why you have to let Jesus alone define you. If you try to seek your worth and validity as a human being from anything other than what God says of you, you will live in a very dark world. There is a better way to enter into your freshman year of life after college, and that is to expect Jesus to work in the unexpected through the thorns of your life. But you cannot enter into such a great belief with passivity. You have to understand that all of life is realized and orchestrated by the greatest creator and truest storyteller that ever spoke this universe and your own life into being. Living in this acknowledgement will be a struggle. You will subconsciously want your anxiety to tell your story or the company you manage to tell your story or your education level or your marriage status to tell your story. But I stand before you today only as a follower of Jesus Christ and nothing else. It is in him alone that I live and move and have my being. And in those times and voids and cracks and spaces where I felt like the absence of God and the thorn in my flesh were the only things I knew, my soul was tied to something far beyond what the lies of Satan had spun in my mind. And that was that God was with me. There are no spaces where he is not. There was no time that he was not present. He is the great I am. He is that for me. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Let's pray. Dear Father, thank you for everyone gathered in this room today. I ask, Father, that you alone would author our stories in worship and wonder so that we can go out and love the world more freely because we have been refreshed in your living water, in your streams flowing through the wilderness of our lives. We love you, Father. Amen. Thank you, MK. Ryan Burns is a 2015 graduate. He was a philosophy major and lived on Second South in Carter. After graduation, he spent a year with the Capital Fellows Program in Washington, D.C., where he worked on the Hill with Representative uh, Bill Posey from Florida. He currently works in government affairs uh, with Walmart in Washington, D.C. Ryan is thoughtful, he is loyal, he is a man of integrity and deep conviction. He loves people, and he loves Jesus, and he loves worshiping Jesus. 
and he is a dear friend and a dear brother. Please welcome Ryan Burns. Well, good morning. Good morning. There we go. I was a little bummed that nobody cheered as loudly for Walmart as they did for Second South, but we'll get there by the end of today, I assure you. Um, words simply can't express how grateful I am to be on this stage and here with you today. Uh, Covenant College has been more meaningful in my life than I could ever express, and there's teachers, there's coaches, there's friends sitting in this very room who've moved me and changed me in ways uh, that they don't even know. So thanks Grant, thanks Leah, thanks for all of those who have impacted my life and helped put this little Calling Beyond Covenant series together. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God gave us not a spirit of fear, but of power of love, and of self-control. As then President Barack Obama read these words, I felt the entire ballroom I was in grow still and quiet. It seemed like the very air I breathed had vanished as Republicans and Democrats, world leaders, and the massive group of volunteers that I found myself a part of. Listen to him talk about love and power and self-control in the face of uncertain and often frightening circumstances. Having moved from Covenant to Washington, D.C. just a few months earlier, the words the president spoke hit me like a train. I was living in a new place, started a new fellowship, a new job, and I was struggling to find my new place in this community. At every moment, it seemed, I felt the full weight of those uncertain and frightening circumstances. Like many of you, ever since Covenant College first challenged me to think seriously about calling, I've really struggled with that concept, asking questions like, what in the world is my calling? Am I doing this right? Am I going to blow this out of proportion? But as I've thought more and more about it, I want you to know that God's calling for your life is so much more than just a job, and it's so much more than what happens after you finish at this college. It's more than what you decide to do after graduation. It's bigger and it's harder and it's more wonderful than anything you could ever ask for or even imagine. But why is that? And that's the question that I really wrestle with. Why do I, why do I feel that? Why do I know that? Why do I believe that? And it's because fundamentally, I really believe it's not about figuring out what your calling is in life. It's about knowing the one who calls you. What I want to do this morning is give you three unshakable principles for life beyond Covenant College. The reality is there's a hundred things that you guys might do. Some of you might end up in D.C. like me. I'd love it. You're more than welcome. We need you. You can come to Walmart too. We're always hiring. We welcome it. Come on now. But no matter where you end up, these principles that I'm about to go through, I hope will help you more intimately know the one who calls you. And in knowing him, I'm more than confident that you'll end up exactly where you're supposed to be. So, principle number one, never forget who you are. 
As I finished putting the last of my bags in the car, I turned around to see my host family standing in the doorway. For my first year in Washington, I had the opportunity to live with the Ruiz family and was now in the process of moving into a new house closer to the city. But throughout that first year, Nancy, Diego, and their five kids had loved me and welcomed me in with open arms. They fed me, they gave me a bed to sleep in, and they walked through life with me as I made the transition from covenant to being a fellow and from being a fellow to working in government affairs. A lot had changed over the 12 months that I lived with them. And this family had been with me every step of the way. So we said our goodbyes, but when I hugged my host mom, Nancy, for the very last time, she looked at me with her bold brown eyes. She's about this tall, so she looked up at me with her bold brown eyes. And she said, Ryan, never forget you're the boy from Niceville. Come on now, I heard something. That's what I'm talking about. But for those of you thinking Niceville, seriously, is that a real place? It absolutely is. Northwest Florida, great vacation spot for those of you looking for a spring break place. Beautiful coastline, warm sunshine. And it's where I grew up. And as most home- hometowns do eventually, it worked its way into my heart. I love Niceville. I really do. And it's a large part of why I am who I am today. As I said, the first principle I want to offer you this morning is that no matter where you go and no matter what you do, never forget who you are. Regretfully, the challenge is that a lot of us here today don't like what we see in the mirror. We have broken pasts and a checkered history that we would much rather run away from, not remember, not embrace, not let grace have its full effect in and transform. But when you run from who you are, you also run from the one who loves who you are. God created and fashioned you with exactly the characteristics, the personality, and the experiences that make you, you. He loves the beauty. He loves his work. And he loves you. A whole lot, I might add. And even more than that, you, each of you, actually make him happy. You see, when God looks at you, he sees your gifts, he sees your scars, he hears your praise, he hears your sorrows, he knows your success, and he knows the time, and he knows the times you come up short. But every time he sees you, every time he looks at you, you put a smile on his face. A big, joyful smile exploding because he sees who you are and who he has created you to be. And the question for you this morning is, do you believe that? Do you actually believe that? Most of the time, I think our answer, and I know my answer, is no. Instead of believing and embracing that truth, we walk through life trying to hide behind masks of imagination and inauthenticity. We look at ourselves in the mirror and do whatever it takes to ensure that no one else sees what we see. The greatest struggle I hear from my peers in Washington is not an inability to get a job or to get into grad school. It's the struggle of hiding behind a mask and trying to become someone they're not and were never intended to be. And what's even more dangerous than wearing that mask is the sound of applause from behind the mask. 
We see this constantly in the world of politics. Men and women running for office get up on stage and they grow accustomed to building an image for themselves that those around them see and love. They are cheered on, they're celebrated, they're adored, yet the entire time this celebration is for an image that doesn't even last. It's not even real. And the stark contrast is that this image prevents these men and women from ever being fully known by friends, by family, and even by themselves. They put on a mask and eventually believe it to be real. And they slowly forget the beauty and majesty of the immortal soul that lies behind it. My friends, you weren't created to wear a mask. None of you. You were created to know and to be known. You are the apple of God's eye, created with all of the ups and the downs of who you are and the experiences that you've had. One of the treasures of Covenant College, and I'm sure you feel this, is this community. For four years, and for some of you, if you decide to take a victory lap, maybe even five, this place, you'll learn, gets really, really good at ripping off masks. Tragically, though, when you leave this place, you learn that the world we live in celebrates these masks far more than the face behind them. Whatever it takes, never allow yourself to forget who you are. Never allow yourself to hide behind a mask. You serve a God who cherishes you and who cherishes crooked noses and bruised foreheads. And deep down, like Nancy said, I'm just a boy from Niceville with big ears and a pointy nose, both figuratively and, as you can see, literally. But God loves that boy. And surprisingly, I believe the world needs that boy. Which takes me to principle number two for us this morning. Never stop caring. It was a quiet Friday afternoon, and my boss and I were sitting in his office, wrapping up our planning for the upcoming week. Two days prior, my boss returned from a grueling five-day trip to the U.K., Great Britain had just voted to leave the European Union. The jet lag was clearly catching up with him. And I could see the wear and tear of busy weeks etched on his face. Ryan, he said, breaking the silence. Not many people care. There's no hiding the fact that we live in a broken and exhausted world. Even as we sit here this morning, over 20,000 children die every day because of poverty. The threat of terrorism rages across the Middle East and into Europe through bombings, through carnage, and most of all through intimidation. And on our very own shores, we face the devastation of mass shootings at places like Sandy Hook Elementary School, Emanuel AME Church in Charleston, and in San Bernardino, California. When you truly look at the ruin of the world, is it possible to still love that world? Week after week, a guy named Dr. Steve Garber challenged me with this question as I sat in this class as a fellow last year in D.C. He pushed me to see how deeply broken our world is and encouraged me never to grow numb. I am convinced that the greatest threat that you and I face is not another financial crisis, it's not terrorism, 
It's not even the disruption of our society as we feel it and see it today. It's apathy. Apathy is the thief of joy and the death of prosperity. It's forgetting to care about a ruined world. Particularly for those of you with heroic dreams and huge talents. The threat of apathy is more insidious and destructive than you could ever know. Every day, we have a choice to redeem the world or to run from it. More than ever, our world desperately needs men and women who have hope for a better future. More than ever, guys, this world needs you, each of you. When I first decided to move to Washington, a lot of people asked me, why in the world do you want to be in politics? And the simplest answer I have to that question is that I have hope. Because of Jesus, I have hope that tomorrow really can be a better day. That the disunity we are experiencing across the country really can be healed. And that the fears we face on every side really can be overcome. Jesus bled for a ruined world. And he calls you and I to do the same. We are co-redeemers with Christ. Called to endure through tragedy and hardship, through prosperity and peace. To be committed to restoring what's been lost and to redeem what has been broken. Because we have been redeemed. We are responsible for a bleeding heart resolution that can carry us through dark days. My friends, no matter what challenges you face, no matter how dark it gets or it feels, never, ever stop caring for this world. And to bring it to a close, principle number three for us this morning. Never forget that it's true. When I looked up from the kneeler at the front of our sanctuary at McLean Presbyterian Church, Pastor Bill Fullove handed me the bread and the wine. It was a typical Sunday evening service, but there was something special taking place beneath the surface. Feeling the joy and the sorrow of that communion moment, I reached out and I took the bread and the cup. And as I did, Pastor Fullove whispered, Ryan, it's true. The final principle I want to leave you with today is to never forget that the faith you have is true. Ladies and gentlemen, Jesus Christ, he's real. And his word, it's real and it's powerful and it is transformative. And if you believe that, guys, that changes everything. Figuring out what your calling is beyond Covenant College is an important challenge. And eventually each of you guys got to do it because you got to pay for food to eat. But as I mentioned earlier, if you know the one who calls you, I'm confident that you'll find yourself exactly where you're supposed to be. He is sovereign and he is good. And he knows your steps before you even take them. He is the one constant in a world filled with chaos. And he will lead you as you trust in him. So, whether it's your first semester at Covenant College or whether it's your last, God has a purpose for your life. 
My hope is that these three principles will guide you as you do the hard work of figuring out exactly what that purpose is. Wherever that journey might take you, never forget who you are. Never stop caring about a broken world. And most of all, never forget that your faith is true and that Christ is with you every step of the way. Amen? Can I pray for you? Jesus, thank you so much for the rich blessing that we have to be together and to know who you are and to know that it's true. Father, I pray for these students that you would give them grace and guidance as some of them are just starting out their Covenant College careers and as others of them are just finishing up. Jesus, may you be gracious and kind to lead and direct them and to use them to make your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Thanks, Jesus, that we can share in that privilege with you. And it's in your name I pray. Amen. Thank you.